Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan, and got my friend and co-host here with me, Cody. Cody, what is happening today? Not much, man. Just enjoying some sweet weather in Southern California and uh, just uh, kind of kind of in a, a season of waiting, man. Yeah, trying to figure out what's next, huh? Yes, absolutely. So for those that don't know that uh, if this is your first time listening to this episode or watching on Instagram, uh, I am an Enneagram One and Cody is a Seven. Mm-hmm. And another Enneagram podcast is... Well, another Enneagram podcast, uh, but not just like any other podcast. Hopefully this one is here uh, to help you lead your team better using the Enneagram. So that's the whole idea here is talking about Enneagram in the context of teams and leadership uh, and how it can be beneficial to you. So uh, today, Cody and I wanted to talk about, uh, well, Cody, it was your thing. Why don't you introduce it? Yeah. So man, just in the last five years, I I've been able to spend a lot of time with, with, you know, some healthy leaders and um, have really tried to invest in myself, whether through reading books or listening to podcasts or, you know, different things like that. And it seems like one of the things that, that um, people smarter than me spend a lot of time talking about is as leaders, um, we can get in these really bad habits of, of comparing ourselves to, to other leaders. And um, we read books, we listen to podcasts, we do things like that. And um, yeah, it, it's it's hard to um, kind of walk away from those things, not wanting to completely just try to be like that person, um, trying to be like uh, that author of that book or that podcast. And I, I do, I believe that uh, we have these very specific superpowers, if you, if you call them. And, um, and so, yeah, I think one of the things that we can do using the Enneagram is help not only ourselves, but help other leaders, um, find what their superpower is, um, with their personality type. And then also try to utilize, um, the, the powers that their teammates have. And so, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, um, yeah, you, you have been gifted, um, very uniquely. And so be the leader that you can be. And then get to a place where you can release uh, things that maybe aren't your strength, your strongest point um, to the people around you and utilize your team. Yeah. So talking about leaders, leadership, what would you say are some of the marks of, uh, I would say immature, but, but I want to go a little bit deeper and say insecure. If you, what are some of the marks of an insecure leader? Okay. Yeah. You, you would say. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, um, well, just in my own life, uh, you know, when I've when I've seen myself um, really struggling with immaturity uh, as a leader, is two big things. It would be one, um, man, just um, I, I'm I'm way too controlling. Um, I, I I have a really hard time letting go of things. I have a really hard time um, releasing and delegating things to other people. Um, because I have this fear that if I release it, then it's not going to get done the way that I envisioned it, or mm-hmm. Um, it, and okay, I'll get a little transparent here. It might get done better. And, uh, and then, and then I'm not as important anymore. And so, um, so yeah, I think 
that insecurity comes from a fear of being replaced, um, a fear of kind of being uh, overshadowed. I think that's the word. And then um, also just the own, my, my own unmeet, like unrealistic expectations that I have on myself. Um, yeah. I think that those would be the big things for me. Yeah, that's good. I know like a lot of times the, the, the most complaining, the biggest complaints I hear about leaders uh, from their team members, a lot of times is about just like, uh, bosses or leaders that are that are overbearing that are micromanaging right who who just try to be involved in every little bit of minutia and detail mm -hmm. right yeah and you know i think there's a time for leaders to take things by the reins and to be involved in the nitty-gritty details of it but most of the time if that is your like main mode of operating right you're going to drive your team crazy and eventually drive them away right Absolutely. like and so being able to not only know your own superpower, right, but also the superpower of those on your team kind of gives everybody a lane to run in a little bit. Of course. Uh, and so uh, I can hear the FedEx guy backing down my street. If that's, if you heard a bunch of beeping, that's what that was. Um, but, but yeah, it kind of gives everybody a lane to run in. Totally. So they're not bumping into each other, right? Mm -hmm. That's why when you have, races and people running races, they have lanes, you know, when you look at like a track, because if you don't have those rules set up, then people are bumping into each other and it's just chaos. And so that's why those different lanes for everybody to run in are so important. And the same thing's true in a team environment that you have to have specific lanes for people to run in. And when you try to run in someone else's lane, you're going to bump into them and that's going to cause friction. It's going to cause sure. people to trip up and, and somebody, if not everybody involved in it uh, is going to bear some consequences from, from someone not running in their lane. Yeah, and so uh, that's what we want to talk about today is, is being you leaning into your strengths, running into your lane. Uh, and so why do you think the Enneagram is, is good for that conversation? And then after that, we'll kind of jump into each Enneagram number and what that means for them. For sure. Yeah. I think the Enneagram is an amazing tool to use for this specific problem um, because it's going to help you understand not just like, how you do things, but why you do them and what's the motivation there. Um, and so I think it's going to help you understand how you approach your job, how you approach day-to-day tasks, um, the things that you're going to struggle with, the things that are going to come easy to you. And then as you look at your team and as you look at, um, Hey, what are the, what are the common frictions that we have? What are the, what, are, you know, what's some pretty um, consistent tension? Um, because like you said, I, I would imagine it, it can easily come from, you got people trying to be people they're not. Um, you got people trying to do things that are just not, uh, not just like not natural for them, um, but things that are going to be very challenging for them to do and to consistently do well. And so the Enneagram for me was an amazing tool to understand, hey, what I bring to the table in regards to my job. And then even some areas that I can help my teammates um, some things within their lanes that are challenging for them or just like, honestly, like life sucking task. Um, <laughs> hey, how can I step in and help you? Um, and to take away the threat, to take away the tension um, to where we can actually be great coworkers and not competitors, um, I think is is powerful. Yeah, hey, that's good. I like that. So, so let's jump in, talk about each of the nine Enneagram types, what their superpowers are and, uh, and maybe, you know, even beyond just a superpower, if there's anything that we want to add, that's maybe just um, 
a stereotypical strength, I suppose, of numbers. Uh, we can add that in there and hopefully through that we'll give people ideas about what lanes they can be running in and mm-hmm. helping the people on their team find the right lanes to run in as well. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, should we start with one? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so I'm an Enneagram one, like we've talked about, and the superpower for type ones is just the idea of improvement, right? It's the make it better mentality. I'll tell you, for me, whenever I walk into a situation, whenever I walk into a room, that's typically what starts happening in my mind is, okay, I see how everything is here. How can I make it better? Mm. Oh, this would be better if this was here. This would be better if it was here. You know, like I think I've joked before, maybe on this podcast, uh, buffet lines are just like, you know, I just start like wanting to slap my own head because I'm like, man, why would they put the plates there and the yeah. silverware there and the salad should not go there? Why would they put the soup? At the, you know, like um, <laughs> don't put your drinks at the beginning of a buffet line because then you got to hold your drink while you're trying yep. to put stuff on your plate. It's silly, right? Uh, buffet lines should always be run by Enneagram ones. Not that buffet it. lines are ever going to exist again after coronavirus, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but. That's the idea. Enneagram ones, the superpower is to make it better. We can take something, we can see something and see how it can be improved. Yeah. For uh, sure. And so, yeah. Thoughts on, on that? No, I love it. I mean, I think Enneagram ones have this amazing ability to step into chaotic situations and provide order, um, to provide a plan. And, uh, and I'm thankful for ones because as, as, um, a head type person, um, especially as a seven who can just get lost in future ideas um, to have somebody at the helm that can look at me and be like, Hey, um, let's sort through this and let's sort through that. But Hey, let's lock in on that one thing because that's good. And we can, we can take that somewhere. Um, yeah. I'm thankful for ones. Yeah. Heck yeah. So uh, twos, the superpower for Enneagram twos is what I call sensing and serving, right? So twos better than any other number in my opinion, can sense like the emotional needs of Mm -hmm. other people and then serve them to meet those needs. You know, it's just like, it's almost like a sixth sense, right? Where they just have this extra antenna, right? That's popping up and saying, okay, oh, this person's hurting. This person needs something. And so you see twos like swooping into action, you know, like, hey, how can I help? What do you need? For sure. Um, and, And play that role really well. So yeah, what do you think about twos and the superpower of twos and the roles that they can play on teams? Oh my gosh. You know, I've never been a part of a team where I had a two um, kind of in the captain's chair, Um, but I've had the privilege of working with a lot of nonprofits that are just swarming with Enneagram twos Mm. and you will not find more servant minded people. Like you will not find um, like that is the heartbeat of any organization is going to be those twos because they're going to be right there in the trenches with people. Um, and uh, we actually have a, a chef here at our camp who's a two. Um, and he, this dude will go out of his way. Um, you know, kids that have allergies or, you know, different types of, of you know, um, things that they can't eat, different things. My goodness, this guy will, will go above and beyond to provide exactly what they need. And so um, you want to talk about a team player, somebody that you can't live without, um, twos, are, twos are those people. Yeah, well, I don't know if you've seen our Instagram live over here, but the twos are are excited. They're getting some press. And so we got, uh, <laughs> Jessica something on there. Who's, who's whooping for the twos. And then yeah. our buddy, Paul Ube, uh, is, is cheering for the twos as well. So, it. uh, they're, they're coming in strong on social media right now. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, we love some twos. Ready to talk about threes. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. 
All right. So the superpower for Enneagram threes is what I call utility, right? Threes are the ultimate utility player. If you need a role to be filled, if you need, you know, a, a position to be filled, a hat to be worn, like threes are your go-to people because they're just the chameleons of the Enneagram. They can yeah. fit into whatever is needed or expected of them better than just about anybody. Now sure. I'm not saying that they need to do that forever. Right. Um, I, that's not, that's not where they need to be, but when it comes down to it and you have a gap, when you have a need, uh, a role that's not being fulfilled and need somebody to step in there and do the job, man, I don't know if I could come up with anybody that would be better fit for that than for threes. So yeah. thoughts on threes. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, just to, to tag onto that. Um, I, I don't know people who are more driven than type threes. Mm. Um, if a three sets his mind to something like it's going to get done. Um, and threes are just awesome to have on the team, man, because they're kind of like sevens in this way of like, when you start talking about ideas, when you start talking about, um, you know, a potential solution or, you know, some, the next big idea, um, threes are those people that like, they want to put some meat to it. Like they want to, they want to like, actually let's, let's get rolling. Like, and let's, let's do it big and let's do it right. Um, and so, yeah, threes are, threes are always so fun to have around the office. Yeah. I feel like I have worked with a lot of threes. I know a lot of threes, close friends with a lot of threes. And when I've worked with the ones that are leaders, like team leaders, business leaders, things like that. One of the things I feel like I notice is, um, a lot of them, uh, you know, they, they, are hard workers, right? And of they course. want to make things happen. And so that can make it difficult for them to let go, to, mm -hmm. to delegate, kind of like what you were saying at the beginning. But when they can manage to do that, I don't know if there's a number that's more relieved, mm. right? To offload things off of their own plate sure. and to let other people run in their own lanes. Because even though threes like to think or at least like to portray that they can do all of these things, I think deep down, most of them know that I'm not actually as good at this thing as what I would like for people to think that I am. And so then all of a sudden, if somebody comes along and a three gets brave enough to empower that person to do that thing that they're probably better at anyway, it's really scary. But once it's finally done, it's just like this huge weight yeah. off of the three shoulders. And so yeah, that's great. Uh, I've just, I feel like I've seen that a lot of times. For sure. For sure. All right, man. How about those fours? Man, fours. So the superpower for four, uh, there's two words there that I think are important. One is creativity, right? Which won't surprise you. Mm. Uh, and the second one though is connection. Okay. Right? And so here's what I mean by that. Uh, creativity is kind of obvious. Uh, fours are typically very creative, expressive people thinking outside the box, mm. thinking very artistically and nuanced and, um, and so that's not surprising. But one of the things that comes out of that is this connection. Fours, more than any other number, I think, value a real true connection with okay. other people and with yeah. the world around them, mm. right? It's one of the big tensions between threes and fours is that threes are able to kind of, you know, put on different masks or, or whatever it is to fit the situation. And fours like hate masks typically, right? Uh, yeah, they're sure. like, no, I want what's real and raw and true. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by connection. Fours are able to connect emotionally in this way that other numbers usually can't. And so okay. especially if somebody's going through something difficult or even something just really, really good and exciting, fours can like connect with that emotion mm. better than other numbers. You know, yeah. like if you ever are upset about something 
everybody's been in a situation where you've like had a bad day, had mm-hmm. some bad news come or just feeling, you know, rough about something. And you try to express that. And somebody's like, Oh, cool. <laughs> and you're like, okay, you didn't connect with me at all on that. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's when you need a four to sit there with you and not try to fix your problems, right? Not try to talk you out of it or make it feel better, mm. but to actually sit with you and connect with that and be like, Hey, I get that. Yeah. And so that's what I mean by creativity and connection for four. So I love that. So yeah. What, what's your thoughts there? Yeah. That struck an idea. Um, we recently went through Donald Miller's story brand conference that he put on and he talks about this idea that for, especially for businesses that sell a product is that, um, from, from the outside, it seems that people buy products that fix external problems, but they're mm-hmm. actually shopping for things that fix internal problems and the way right. that things make them feel. So if you're a business who has fours on your team, nobody is going to be able to help you um, become aware of, but honestly fix some of those um, uh, internal issues that your product might be able to um, to fix or provide solutions to. Um, mm. Yeah, fours you know, twos have that ability to sense needs. Um, but fours have almost like this, like spider sense, man, like you said to emotions and, um, yeah. when people are feeling things and then they have this really deep empathetic drive to, um, yeah, sit with people in those emotions. Um, but actually kind of help. I think they can provide some guidance through that. Um, yeah. so for my four friends, man, like if I'm feeling something and like want to escape it, Um, they're the people that I go to like, Hey, help me make sense of this. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, and that's what you say there brings up a good point. It could be confusing between twos and fours because they're Mm -hmm. both very emotional. Um, and, and usually very aware of emotions. Um, twos are typically more aware of the emotions of others and fours are very aware of their own emotions and their response to emotions is different too. So twos, when they sense emotional needs, they're going to want to help that. Like, Mm. what can I do? Whereas fours typically when they encounter emotions, they want to connect with that and, and sit in it and, and, you know, laugh if you're laughing, cry Mm. if you're crying and be a part of it rather than help it. And so that's a big difference between twos and fours. Yeah. So good. Fives. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know if we got any fives listening in on social media, but if you're there, give a little shout. Uh, So fives, um, fives superpower is to know, right? So fives are just usually full of knowledge, right? I always say that uh, if you want any number on your, you know, pub trivia team, you want an Enneagram five because fives (laughs) just tend to know things, right? Yes. Uh, And when you ask a five, like, how do you know that? Fives typically respond with something like, why do you not know that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yes. But that's the superpower of fives is that they're just these like sponges for knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they can really thrive in an environment where they get to spend time absorbing knowledge, but also the return on that is that they can spend time sharing knowledge. Too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I have a, I have a mentor that is a five and it was so cool because, you know, for years and years and years, man, he just started collecting and almost hoarding all this information. Um, and then over the last couple of years, he's gotten to this place where he almost daily is releasing these incredible, you know, kind of like wisdom pieces on Facebook and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, f- I think fives in the office and on a team are so valuable because if there's something that you're dealing with that you don't understand, if there's something that you're dealing with, you've been assigned a task um, and there's elements of that task that 
um, are confusing, man, bring in a five um, and man, assign them with like going into the depths of, of whatever that might be. Um, and I think fives, yeah, they have that superpower of being able to make sense of things um, and provide clarity to things that I just do not get. Um, and uh, yeah, fives are, you know, you may have to kind of uh, pull them out of their shell a little bit because um, they can be a little bit more reclusive sometimes and introverted. Um, but man, I would imagine that for the fives listening, um, if your boss came in and said, hey, I got some homework for, homework for you. Uh, we're about to dive into this thing. Once you, once you do some research, man, I would, I would imagine they would come alive. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. One of my favorite stories about a five was I went to do an Enneagram training for a team one time. And I may have told this on here before too. I can't remember. But after, well, about halfway through the training, we took a break and I had explained what the numbers were. And this guy came up to me that was a five. And he told me that uh, when he heard that we were doing this Enneagram training thing, he was kind of skeptical and wasn't sure about it. He took the assessment, said he was a five. He was like, I don't know. And so then he spent the next three hours before the training researching the Enneagram. Uh, and I was like, dude, that's amazing. That's one of the most five things I've ever heard. Yeah, no other awesome. number in this room spent three hours researching the Enneagram to prepare yes. for this thing. That's so funny. I thought you were about to say he like read like the whole like wisdom of the Enneagram book or something like that in three hours. So that was not. probably the next day. But... <laughs> yeah, he has a library, an Enneagram library by now. So yeah. That's awesome. Dude. Ready for sixes? Oh yeah. All right. So we're both quite familiar with sixes. If you didn't know, uh, we're both. Um, <laughs> so somebody on here said, uh, my husband's a five smartest human being. I know that was on yes. our uh, Instagram live feed. That's good. Uh, so yeah, sixes, Cody and I are both married to sixes. Uh, our wives are, are both sixes and um, and sixes, the superpower for sixes, uh, probably the best word I can come up with for it is preparation. Mm. Right. That sixes want to be prepared, not for like your everyday, you know, life stuff. Sixes want to be prepared for like, you know, if a meteor strikes the planet, right. Or, (laughs) or whatever the worst case scenario is your sixes are, are thinking about that and preparing for that. And so in the context of a team, having somebody who's thinking through, okay, what should our response be or what do we need to be prepared for if, this happened. If this happened, if this scenario happens. And so, yeah, that's the superpower of sixes is preparation. Yes. So uh, here's a, here's a little fun one for you. So last night, Alicia and I needed to ra- um, to hang like a, a barn door, like railing. Um, and so, you know, me, it's like nine o'clock. I'm thinking, Hey, this thing's fun. Let's just do it. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so um, Alicia and I are about to dive into this project and I can just see it on her face. Like she is, like calculating all the things she's like, okay, well, if like, what if this part doesn't, what if this breaks or, you know, and sure enough, like three or four of the things that she thought actually happened. And so, um, I was like, you know what, we'll just do it tomorrow. Let's not worry about it tonight, you know? Um, but man, like in an office setting or in like a, a, a team setting, man, sixes are just absolutely incredible with that kind of forecasting um, gift that they have. Um, and so if, if, you're, if you're a leader who has a six um, on your team, man, you got you to create that, um, that open communication with them. Um, yeah, and I will say it's going to be tough sometimes because there are going to be moments where 
uh, you are thinking of solutions and they have already thought of it. Um, yeah. So when they bring it up, don't be, don't be offended by that. Um, that's just the way that they're wired. Um, and so uh, utilize that, capitalize on that. Um, sixes are absolutely incredible people. Yeah. Well, and I'll just say too on sixes, again, sixes kind of hallmark trait is that worst case scenario thinking. Mm -hmm. And what's important to remember about that is most of the time, the worst case scenario does not happen. Right. Uh, And so that's an interesting balancing act. If you are leading a team that has sixes on it is Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. You got to make space for that open communication, but at the same time, you and the six on your team have to understand that most of the things that a six is anxious about aren't actually going to happen. So it's a system where you plan and prepare for something that you're both okay with the fact that you may never use, Mm -hmm. right? It's the idea of, you know, the thousand year flood, right? That there's an epic flood that only happens once every thousand years or something. And most people will go through their whole lifetime and never experience something like that. But when it does happen, right. And it, you know, the thousand year flood idea always eventually happens. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you can be prepared for that, maybe even just kind of like off to the side in a back room somewhere kind of a deal, Yeah, you know, then you can survive some things that, that a lot of people won't. And I'm saying that at an interesting time in the world right now where sure. it's not a thousand year pandemic, but I would say it's probably fair to call this a hundred year pandemic, right? The probably the closest thing to the coronavirus stuff would be like the 1918 flu epidemic. Um, and that's almost exactly a hundred years apart. And so there are plenty of people who, you know, have lived their whole life and never experienced something like this before you and I included. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you can't say these kinds of things never happen. It's true. They don't happen often, but you need to have people in place and you can see different countries around the world who did have people in place and plans in place and people in countries who did not. And so that's a huge, you know, example of what we're talking about on a small scale for a team and for a leader and how sixes can play a really important role. So absolutely. Sevens. Sevens. Okay. Well, you get to tell me if I'm wrong on this, you're the expert on sevens, but my, uh, when I talk about sevens, what I say is their superpower. Again, two words uh, here. Uh, the words are joy and energy, okay. right? Joy and energy. I think that's the superpower that sevens bring to their teams, uh-huh. that they come in and bring a lot of joy and a lot of energy. Um, you know, sevens, I know this is more stereotyping, but I always kind of joke that sevens uh, go through most days with like a song in their head. <laughs> right? Yep. And it's like this yeah. rhythm. And, and when they come into the office, they're bringing that song with them and, um, and bringing that energy with them. And yes. that's so helpful because I mean, let's be real. If it was a team made up of people like me, uh, <laughs> you know, the energy levels would not be great. I'm just saying that. So, uh, so yeah, I really value sevens for that trait among others, but specifically for that joy and that energy that they can bring to a team environment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think sevens um, are kind of similar to threes in the, um, in the way that they can wear a lot of hats. Um, threes can be, I mean, sevens, sorry, can be pretty flexible people. Um, and, uh, and so if you got sevens on the team, um, sevens value freedom, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's great to have all the time. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned about myself is that um, I thrive when there's healthy structure, um, when there's healthy rhythms. Um, and so, if, if I can be in a work environment where uh, those things are provided, but then I'm also um, being utilized for my flexibility 
and my energy level, then, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a healthy environment for me to be a part of for sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Eights. Eights, man. All right. So eights are one of my favorite numbers when it comes to talking about superpowers. Again, two words on this. And, uh, the first one is strength, which again, won't surprise anybody. Uh, eights are typically very strong, um, you know, personalities, but also strong, like convictions and drive and things like that. Um, But the second word is advocacy, Mm -hmm. right? Advocacy. Um, Eights, what a lot of people don't understand about eights is that uh, people might think that an eight doesn't care, right? Just because Mm -hmm. they're so strong willed and stuff. But that is so far from the truth. Eights actually care so deeply and so passionately that they can sometimes accidentally run people over in an yeah. effort to, you know, to do what they care about, to protect totally. those that can't protect themselves. And so they have this advocacy drive mm-hmm. in them that causes them to just fight, you know, on behalf of the people that can't fight for sure. themselves. And so um, eights are a lot of times what I've seen is a lot of eights are attracted to like nonprofit type work, justice yeah. oriented type work, Absolutely. stand in the gap on behalf of others. And so, yeah, that's what I would say the eight superpower is, is to, to champion, you know, strength and advocacy specifically on behalf of other people. Yeah, man. Eights are warriors, man. They, uh, I think, I think when expectations are communicated clearly, um, I think when, um, there is a, like a healthy and open environment for them to, to utilize that, that strength. I've actually read before that even more than sevens, eights actually have the most energy um, of any type. Um, mm-hmm. And so they've, they've got to have a place where they can, they can use that and, and, and fight for the underdog, you know, in, in different capacities. And so, um, yeah, if you're leading eights, um, uh, it's challenging. It is absolutely challenging because um, in a lot of circles, they're actually known as the challenger. Yeah. Um, but I promise you that that challenge, that push is because they believe, because they care. Um, and they're just waiting for opportunity to, to fight alongside you. So yeah, love yeah. it. Awesome. All right. Last one, nines. So nines, their superpower, the word there is perspective, mm. right? Nines have this unique and incredible perspective that nobody else has. And it's, uh, I don't think it's an accident that, you know, nines, when you look at a visual, you know, diagram of the Enneagram, the nine numbers around it, nines sit on the top of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like they have this higher vantage point, yeah. you know, and can see down on everybody else and, and can kind of put on, you know, their lenses a little bit. In my experience, nines typically have the most trouble figuring out what their Enneagram type is because they have this just ability to, to hear your perspective and be like, oh yeah, I could see yeah, that. And totally. to hear their perspective and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense too. And yeah. oh yeah, that one makes sense to me too. And so nines can have trouble like identifying with a specific number because they're like, ah, I feel all of these things. Yes. Right. Yep. And so that can be confusing, but it can also be a really, really valuable thing to bring to a team. Uh, especially when it comes to things like uh, conflict, um, you know, mediation and, and just helping people be on the same page together. So I tend to tell teams, if you ever have a conflict and you need help navigating it, get to a table with a healthy nine, because a yeah. nine will help everybody see each other's sides of things. That's their superpower is perspective. Sure. Yep. 
Yep. And, and just something to think about with nines, I actually, um, a couple of years ago, had the privilege of, of leading a team where I had a few nines on my team and um, got to this place where if I could take a few extra steps, um, nines don't really like tension. Um, they don't necessarily like um, just naturally thrive in, in tense environments. Um, and so if you've got sevens and, and eights on a team with nines, um, man, there can be some, uh, there can, there can be a lot of tension there. Yeah. And, um, but I found myself in this place where if I did, kind of did some like pre-work going into meetings or pre-work going into the work week where I um, asked questions and I communicated expectations and I um, gave very clear goals, you, you want to talk about like just some powerhouse people on your team, man, those nines, um, because like you said, they can, they can see all these different perspectives. They can see all yeah. of these different needs. Um, and for me, especially in that kind of season of my leadership, they could see things that I was almost incapable of seeing um, at that time. And so, man, incredibly resourceful people. Yeah, man. So that's, that's our list of nine, uh, the different superpowers of each of the Enneagram types. Um, I know for me, that is an incredibly insightful piece of information when I'm working with different teams and trying to help people um, work together, but also get the most out of themselves. Right. And to, to live into who they want to be. You know, one of the things you said earlier was, was about like leaders that are trying to be someone else, right? Like they see a leader that they like and they really admire and look up Mm -hmm. to, and they're like, Oh, okay. I want to be like that person. For sure. Um, And you know, there's good things associated with that. But one of the things that's not good about that is that each one of us has this kind of superpower, this thing that we are, just incredible at and should be doing. And if we're spending all of our time trying to emulate someone else's leadership, we may be missing out on our own superpower, which will help us contribute even more to our teams than just emulating someone else. Um, And so, so yeah, I appreciate you bringing, bringing that idea up for us to talk about here for us to discuss on uh, our Instagram feed over here. Um, And um, yeah, it's been a good conversation. Anything else to add before we wrap up? Real quick. Last thought is I think that an incredibly powerful lesson to learn as a leader is that, um, you've got to get to a place where you can shift the perspective of using people on your team to utilizing people on your team. Mm, what do you um, mean? So what I mean by that is like a lot of times um, I've, I've had conversations with people who work in an organization or a business or a nonprofit and they say, I feel like a pawn in somebody else's game where I feel like mm. a, a tool in somebody's tool belt. Um, and I think that um, people are, especially now, because we've talked about this idea that, you know, positional power is kind of out the door. Relational power is, is very important these days. And, yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in a later episode, I'm sure. But people want to feel invested in. They want to feel mm-hmm. pursued by their leader. And so um, the Enneagram and other tools are great um, in, in helping us find ways of doing this. Because if you're willing to invite more people to, you know, kind of the table um, of your business and be able to utilize these people, because when you invest in them, and, and they get better then the entire team and the time, entire organization gets better. Um, if you're simply just using people, they're eventually going to burn out. They're eventually going to um, grow sick of doing that one job. And so, uh, man, I think just a great lesson for leaders um, and for us to be healthy is um, we've got to start utilizing our people and, and giving them um, tasks and lanes that are life-giving and not life-sucking. And so, um, yeah, cool thought there. That's awesome. 
All right, man. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us on another Enneagram podcast. Thanks for people tuning in on Instagram. Uh, We're going to wrap up shop here and we can stay on for a couple of minutes on Instagram to, to answer any questions or anything that might come up. But as far as the podcast goes, we're done there. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast. As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram or at another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of another Enneagram podcast.